lifetime, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Friday, September the 30th, 2022, on the feast day of St. Jerome, Doctor of the Church. St. Jerome, pray for us. It's also uh, my 22nd wedding anniversary. Praise be to God. My wife is so lucky. She is. She's so blessed. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. Wasn't for me. Where would she be today? Question she asks herself every day of our marriage. But nonetheless, keep her and us in your prayers today. We'd be very grateful. Hey, we're going to catch up with uh, retired Army Colonel Matt Dooley today on the program. We're going to be talking about the uh, pipeline bombings. We're going to be talking about uh, Russia annexing the Donbass today, as well as the mass exodus of Russian military-aged males uh, now that they're uh, sort of rallying the troops, we're going to get his take on all of that at 35 past the hour. Hey, a whistleblower from the FBI has said child sex abuse material investigations were no longer an FBI priority and should be referred to local law enforcement agencies. However, FBI SWAT raids on misdemeanors, yeah, that should continue. That's a good trend. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. Dave Palmer is going to be our guest. He is the host of Back to the Father at the top of the next hour, asking the deep philosophical question, what is truth? We will get Thomas Aquinas to weigh in on that at the top of the next hour. If you can join us, please do so. Lots of stories in the news. Hey, according to the Electronic Frontier Foundation, yeah, law enforcement agencies at every level of government are increasingly buying data from private third-party data brokers to track Americans on their cell phones. That's fun. And they don't need a warrant. They're just buying it. Yeah, that's a good time. A student debt cancellation apparently cost $379 billion, according to Education Department estimates. You're welcome, students. We're just picking up the tab for you. Hurricane Ian made landfall in Lee County on Wednesday with a maximum sustained winds of 155 miles per hour. It's cost $40 billion in property damage. We're still waiting on the the death toll report. Keep the repose of those so many souls in your prayers. Some say hundreds, some say less. I don't know. Either way, let's pray for all those involved. Hey, the first transgender officer in the U.S. Army and his wife, Awkward, but okay. Have been, have been indicted for allegedly attempting to communicate with Russian officials in hopes of giving them potentially compromising materials on some of the members of the military and their spouses. Lots of good stories in the news today, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thank you, Joe. I love that introduction. Bad mm-hmm. news. And then, hey, mm-hmm. Rudy, how are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> here we are, end of the week, Friday. Glad to be here. And yeah. uh, maybe they're going to put that uh, couple... Uh-huh. Man and woman, yeah. despite what he thinks he is, yeah. uh, next to the other couple who tried to sell nuclear secrets to Brazil. So that would be interesting if <laughs> Nothing they but were good cellmates. Times. <laughs> Nothing but good times. Praise well, be to God. Well, uh, there you go, folks. Speaking of good times, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. Mm-hmm. I am looking mm-hmm. forward to the weekend. You know, Are you? Uh, today, I'm going to try to go see Henry V, mm-hmm. and that would be uh, William Shakespeare. They're putting it on not not some random guy named Henry yeah. who happens to be the fifth. Is your Henry the, is Henry the fifth your favorite of Shakespeare? No. What no. is? I don't know. 
Um, maybe Hamlet. Richard III. Macbeth. Now, I've actually never seen Hamlet. Car- uh, I've Ever? never seen Hamlet. The whole all Romeo Hamlet? and Juliet. It's too long. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. No, no, not my favorite. Caesar. Uh, Julius Caesar is good, but no, I think I think it's Richard the Third. Richard the Third. Yeah. Wow. Ricardo. Wow. That one's really good. I enjoy that. Macbeth is a classic. Everyone yeah. likes Macbeth. Yeah. But yeah. And then on Saturday, mm-hmm. I may be helping my buddy Timothy. He's randomly texting me yesterday and was like, "Dude." I need help. We're having a retreat on Saturday, and I forgot to do. Uh, I need some people to help, so I'm gonna try to. <laughs> I'm gonna call him today and be like, "Hey, what do you need, my friend?" Good times. It's gonna be good. Yeah, good times. I get to see my grandparents tonight. Praise hey. be to God. Nice. Uh, they're stopping by. We can't wait to see them, uh, especially on our 22nd year anniversary. It's going to be a good time. They're celebrating 70 years, and wow. uh, so that's a good. You know, that's if you think about that. If you've been married for any length of time, you realize. How incredibly difficult it is to be married for any length of time. 70 years. And that's that's just showing off at that point. You know what I'm saying? It's just, <laughs> it's just basically showing off. But nonetheless, uh, please do keep, uh, keep us in your prayers. We'd be very grateful to you. We have a lot to get to today. As I said, retired Army Colonel Matt Dooley's back on the program. And then uh, Dave Palmer at the top of the next hour. Let's pray. Let's get into it. But do share us with a friend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday, September 30th, and here are your headlines this morning. Reuters reports Biden's student borrower forgiveness program updated to exclude private loans. President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan was abruptly updated on Thursday to exclude borrowers with privately held federal student loans, according to the Education Department guidance. The department said only borrowers in the federal family education loan program whose loans are held by the federal government are eligible. The FFEL program, which stopped issuing loans in 2010, was a student loan system that had private banks manage the loans but were guaranteed by the federal government. WND reports Hurricane Ian updates. Florida Sheriff says fatalities are in the hundreds after monster storm. After Hurricane Ian swept through Florida on Thursday, the storm left millions without power. Fatalities are in the hundreds, said Lee County Sheriff Carmine Marceno. Ian was moving northeast across Florida at about 8 miles per hour with maximum sustained winds of 65 miles per hour at 5 a.m. on Thursday, according to the National Hurricane Center. However, the agency warned that Ian could pick back up and reach hurricane strength as it reaches Florida's east coast on Saturday, posing risks to Georgia and the Carolinas. The Washington Examiner reports GOP candidate Doug Mastriano plans 40 days of fasting and prayer ahead of Election Day. It's not clear what prompted Mastriano's campaign to launch the five-week fast, but the announcement follows the Republican lagging behind Democratic nominee Josh Shapiro by double digits in the latest polls. The fasting is open to anyone who sees the value of and need for prayer and fasting to restore true liberty as an integral part of the strategy to win the general election in November, he said. 
The race for Pennsylvania's governor comes at a crucial time as the future of so-called abortion rights in the state could be determined depending on whether Mastriano or Shapiro wins the seat. Mastriano has historically opposed abortion rights, while Shapiro has voiced support for Pennsylvania's current abortion law, which bans the procedure after 24 weeks, with some exceptions. And Breitbart reports, pay up, Zuck. Amnesty International urges Facebook to pay reparations for role in Rohingya conflict. Facebook, now known as Meta, is facing new calls from Amnesty International to pay reparations for the Rohingya people for the company's alleged role in inciting ethnic violence in Myanmar. In an executive summary of the report, Amnesty references the Facebook papers released by whistleblower Francis Hogan saying, This evidence shows that the core content-shaping algorithms which power the Facebook platform, including its news feed, ranking, and recommendations features, all actively amplify and distribute content which incites violence and discrimination and deliver this content directly to people most likely to act upon such incitement. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Jerome from Brazilian Catholic thinker Professor Plinio's saint of the day. Saint Jerome was born in 341 and he is a doctor of the church considered the church's greatest doctor of scriptures. Regarding Saint Jerome, the Roman breviary says he pummeled the heretics with his most harsh writings. In the Catholic Church, Saint Jerome is the representative par excellence of the polemical spirit. And in this sense, he is a symbol against progressivist ecumenical dialogue. His writings are so straightforward, energetic, and intransigent that some people imagine that a saint could not write as he did. Almost everyone of his time trembled before him. Once, St. Augustine, with whom he had an ongoing correspondence, amiably told him that with half the energy St. Jerome used in one of his letters, he would already be convinced of his argument. I also remember that once I read that a pious lady sent St. Jerome a gift, some young doves and a basket of cherries. He wrote back asking her what she was thinking when she sent those delicate things to him. He was suspicious that she might want to corrupt the austerity of his penitent life. He immediately gave the presents to the poor. One of my first encounters with progressivism was with the reform, reformist liturgical mentality that had been accepted by many monks in the Benedictine Monastery in Sao Paulo. I was talking with the abbot, and he told me that some works of St. Jerome were being read in the refectory of the monastery during, during the midday meal. He commented that the monks had become furious over the readings. In my naivete, I thought that their hatred was directed toward the heretics St. Jerome was combating, but I soon realized that I was wrong. Their hatred was against St. Jerome himself because they had sympathy for the heretics. The combativity of St. Jerome was an expression of his consuming zeal for the house of God. This kind of militancy is one of the most legitimate and saintly expressions of that zeal. Since his energy was inspired by love for God and not by personal resentments, it was a very holy thing. If force is exerted because of personal resentments, it is a completely different thing. God gives his church saints who have special charisms to attract with amiability, such as St. Francis de Sales, who drew souls by his sweetness. However, the rule is to attack the evil to convert the person, as St. Jerome did. The militant and polemical spirit of the great St. Jerome gives us an opportunity to see how progressivism and the ecumenical spirit are sabotaging Catholic militancy everywhere. Today, almost no one hears this Catholic doctrine taught in its entirety. 
We should certainly ask St. Jerome to help us in our counter-revolutionary polemics, but we should also and primarily ask him to help us destroy this liberal mentality that opens the door for the evil that is assaulting and taking over the entire church. St. Jerome died in 420. St. Jerome, doctor of sacred scripture, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Jesus said to them, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would long ago have repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And as for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? Will you go down to the netherworld? Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Adrian, anything from uh, Cornelius today? Yes. So the gospel today, we talk about the, the putting on sackcloth and ashes. And we have to go and we have to repent, right? And so Cornelius Lapide talks about that in the Old Testament, what was sackcloth and ashes a symbol of? Well, the sackcloth and ashes are a symbol of intense penance. And also it makes me think of St. Jerome and his intense penances, because it is by our penances, it is by our sacrifices that we not only can become holy, not only can we merit and offer reparation for the sins against our Lord most primarily, but also it is the means of obtaining the good things from God. What am I talking about specifically? Well, I'm thinking of the intellectual life. I'm thinking of learning more about God, getting a closer relationship with God. We often think that the, our, the previous times where it's like, oh my goodness, we hear about the saints who used to scourge themselves and do these crazy things. That, that sounds awful. That sounds terrible. But yet these people, it was by chastising their bodies. It was by subjugating their bodies, as St. Paul might say. And it was by that that we are able to know, love, and serve God more fully. Because then we have conquered what the great writers talk about of the pride of life, these, the temptations of the flesh, the temptations of the eyes. We're able to conquer those things. And when those are conquered, then we can set our eyes on the things of importance. And what are the things of importance? That it would be heaven. That would be God. That would be the saints. That would be Our Lady. So let's keep our minds on those things today. Amen. Praise be to God. Well said. Thank you, Cornelius Alapade, for your generous insight into our gospel reflection today. All right. After this break, I want to share with you something about the FBI whistleblowers that I think is profound and disturbing all at the same time. All that coming up next. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the Internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? 
If it's okay to reject one, well, then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Retired Colonel Matt Dooley is going to be our guest coming up at 35 past this hour. We're going to catch up on some of the Russia stories, the pipeline story. Who who bombed it? Who done it? Hmm. Interesting. Also, uh, Russia is supposed to annex the Donbass today after those uh, votes that took place this week. What's the story there? Is that escalating things? And then, of course, we're seeing a mass exodus of military-aged males from Russia. Uh, watching these YouTubers, it's like they, they've, they've got enough cash that they can afford $7,000 plane tickets, apparently. So they're all leaving. We're going to catch up on all of that with retired Army Colonel Matt Dooley uh, here just a little bit. So do uh, share us with a friend and join us if you can. There are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And as you know, one week from today, one week ago, I should say, one week ago from today, I received a text message while on the air from my friend's wife, Mark Houck. His wife texted me to inform me that the FBI SWAT team had just come through and arrested him and taken him off. She was obviously very shocked. I could tell from the text message and uh, not sure what to do next. She took the kids. She went to adoration. It was uh, pretty shocking to get that text message while I was on the air. I wasn't sure how to feel or do or, you know, as a guy, you want to do something. You just like we're doers, like we're problem solvers. Like uh, when the when when my wife, <laughs> we've been married 22 years today, when my wife is like uh, expressing some frustration or something with me today, all I can think about is how do I solve this problem? rather than just listen, you know, that kind of thing? Well, that's kind of how I felt on a a Friday of last week, receiving this text message from my friends who are so far away, and I can do nothing to help them at the time besides pray. And besides, you know, obviously prayer is is far more powerful and uh, and more important than any physical action. But nonetheless, it was a difficult time. And uh, since then, so much has happened. Of course, we've seen national attention to the story, uh, they were featured on so many national news outlets, not the least of which was Tucker Carlson the other night. And again, today I'm going to share with you the interview that we did with Mark back in March, where he described some of the troubles he had at the abortion mill with these abortion volunteers. I'll put that in the email uh, to you tonight, so make sure that you're on our email list by going to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. The St. Thomas More Society is representing the Hauk family in all of this. And let me just read a little bit to you from this article that they have over at their website, thomasmoresociety.org. It says, quote, in June 2022, Thomas More Society attorneys notified the Biden Department of Justice that the case law in the same district, had held that the FACED Act does not 
cover one uh, one-off alter- altercations altercations like the one involving Mark Howe, which was initiated by the abortion proponent who was harassing Mark Houck's son. The Department of Justice was also advised that if the decision was made to bring a charge against Houck, despite lack of legal foundation, Houck would appear voluntarily. Rather than accepting Mark's offer to appear voluntarily, the Biden Department of Justice chose to make a show of potentially deadly force, sending 20 heavily armed federal agents to the Houck residence at dawn this past Friday, a week ago from today, explained Attorney Breen from the Thomas More Society. In threatening form, after nearly breaking down the family's front door, at least five agents pointed guns at Mark and arrested him in front of his wife and seven young children, who were terrified that their husband and father would be shot dead before their eyes. In June 2019, Thomas More Society attorneys won a case in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, establishing that a one-off altercation like the one for which Biden Department of Justice is levying two counts against Mark Haug, cannot form the basis for a face claim. Close quote. So we covered this story with attorney uh, Brent Haynes on Monday, talking about the FACE Act, you know, what it entails. It's not a new thing. It goes back to the late 90s, and it is being leveraged in this case against Mark Haug. Now, just to catch you up, just to refresh your memory, a year ago, Mark had his son at this abortion clinic. Every single Wednesday, Mark spends about seven, six to seven hours, eight hours praying, offering sidewalk counseling. He, uh, We've talked to him many times. He shared his experiences there, reaching out to people with great charity, with great love, with prayerfulness, never a hateful bone in his body towards any of these people. But there's one volunteer began to harass him over and over for a week after week. And then he came after his son, getting into his face, spewing expletives and all kinds of derogatory language. Mark tried to move away. The guy insisted. And at that point, you know what? Dad's got to kick in. Back off my son. Back off. He pushed the guy out of his son's face. The guy fell. He claimed he was hurt. Now, no local charges, no criminal charges locally. There was a civil case locally, five court appearances. This guy never shows up, and the case is tossed. It's tossed out. And then and only then does the FBI, the Department of Justice, decide, hey, we're going to make this, we're going to make this a bigger case. We're going to go for the FACE Act. Now, this guy allegedly crossed the, crossed the road, uh, and came towards Mark and his son. How exactly was Mark Blocking the way to access to a abortion clinic? Well, he wasn't. That's the reality that we're dealing with here. This is pure propaganda. This is politics agenda 101, which then reminds us of the recent FBI whistleblowers that have been coming out. According to uh, according to this congressman from Ohio, uh, we've seen at least 14 FBI whistleblowers come out recently. Agents who are tired of the agenda and the politicization of their job. Here's a little bit of this article out of Just the News. An FBI whistleblower has reported to the Office of Special Counsel that he believes the Bureau and Justice Department are violating the constitutional rights of January 6th defendants 
falsifying statistics on domestic extremism and misusing SWAT teams to make misdemeanor arrests, according to a copy of the complaint reviewed by the Just the News. Special Agent Stephen Friend, who works for the FBI in Florida and serves as a SWAT team member, told the Maine Federal Whistleblower Office in Washington he had an exemplary work record since he joined the Bureau in 2014 and even won awards, but was suspended in recent days after being after after he began raising concerns about the FBI's DOJ's conduct in the January 6th investigations. Quote, I believed the investigations were inconsistent with the FBI procedures and resulted in the violations of citizens' Sixth and Eighth Amendment rights, close quote, friend wrote. Going on to say, quote, I added that many of my colleagues expressed similar concerns to me but had not vocalized their objections to the FBI executive management, close quote. The FBI National Press Office did not immediately respond to a request of comment sent on Friday. Friend said one of his many concerns is that the FBI is using SWAT teams to arrest January 6th defendants facing misdemeanor charges, violating the Bureau's domestic investigation and operations guide, and creating a potentially unsafe encounter. Close, or going on to say, quote, I responded that it was inappropriate to use an FBI SWAT team to arrest a subject for misdemeanor offenses and opined that the subject would likely face extended detainment and biased jury pools in Washington, D.C., close quote, friend wrote in his whistleblower complaint, going on to say, I suggested alternatives such as the issuance of a court summons or utilizing surveillance groups to determine an optimal safe time for a local sheriff deputy to conduct the subject uh, and advise them about the existence of an arrest warrant. The agent said when he suggested alternatives for arresting suspects in minor January 6th cases of one of of his bosses, said, quote, told me that the FBI executive management considered all potential alternatives and determined that SWAT takedown was the appropriate course of action. Close quote. Friend said he believes the January 6th investigations has involved overzealous charging by the DOJ and biased jury pools in Washington, D.C., and that the heavy-handed tactics smacked of prior FBI mistakes like the Ruby Ridge tragedy in the 1990s. Or what was the thing in Waco that happened one more time where they drove a tank into the building, set it on fire, everybody died, horrific deaths? Don't forget Ruby Ridge. Yeah, they mentioned Ruby Ridge in this article. You know, um, this is this is tragic stuff. I mean, think about this for a second. We all, I mean, I, I I bag the blue, okay? I support law enforcement. But it is clear, uh, based on whistleblower uh, testimony here, by the way, this guy fired from his job because he blew the whistle. I thought in this country, if you're a whistleblower, you're protected. But apparently not, because he got relieved, because he's a whistleblower. He had the courage to come out, and he's not alone. The problem is, because they punish whistleblowers, more will not come out now. They're all going to continue to go along and get along. And they're all going to sit here and just pretend and rationalize and say it's all okay when really it's not. Because when a guy pushes somebody and he falls to the ground and there's no medical injury whatsoever, no local criminal charges, civil case gets tossed, somehow that's worthy of... A SWAT team, even though he had volunteered three months before 
to give himself over voluntarily to come and present himself to the to the federal uh, bureau of investigations. They said no. Instead, they sent and there's an argument over how many officers showed up. I have no idea. And guess what? When asked, the FBI refused to say how many officers came to the Hauk residence a week ago today. We don't know, but we do know that it's somewhere in the neighborhood of two dozen tactical wearing guys. I mean, vests, body armor, uh, M4s with probably optics and laser sights and red dots and all the rest. And they did a perimeter. They, They actually did a whole perimeter security around the building. So there's enough guys to secure the entire perimeter of the building. Then there's guys that go to the door and began to bang on the door and demand that they open it up. Mark pleaded with them through the door, please, I have children here, I've got babies. They're scared, please. I'm going to open the door, but please go easy. And they continued to bang. They were going to bust it down. Mark told me personally he was very concerned because if one of his boys happened to have one of their toy guns on them, what would be the result to that? And I've, I've been struggling here with this idea that uh, officers can go along with this. I, I, this is one of the points I brought up with our, our friend, attorney uh, uh, Brent Haynes. How do you, if you're an FBI agent and you're on this team, how do you agree to this? Did you not know that the suspect you're going to execute an arrest warrant on uh, was someone who doesn't have any violent background? Someone who doesn't have a criminal record? Someone who was accused of pushing a guy, pushing a guy a year ago, and you think it's okay to have that heavy-handed SWAT-like mentality and SWAT-like approach to this? You think that that's okay and you agreed to it and you participated? How do you live with yourself at night? There's the question. We all have to make very difficult and tough choices in this world. And we have excellent men and women who serve our country in every level. But I think the day is and the time is coming. We can't just agree to do our job. We have to think. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the Statehouse, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. 
CNA reports supporters of statue of St. Michael the Archangel in small French town vowed a fight removal order. After a French court determined or confirmed the removal of the statue of St. Michael from a seaside town, supporters have vowed to continue their fight to keep it standing. On Friday, September 16th, the Court of Appeal in uh, Nantes, uh, that's in France, ruled in favor of removing a statue of St. Michael in the town of Les Sables de Olonne in the Vendée. The court decision was made against the wishes of more than 90% of participants in a consultation held by the town's mayor, Yannick Moreau, last March. In 2021, a complaint was filed by the Libre Pensée de Vendée, a group that advocates secularism and free thought, and initially opposed the statue's installation. The concept of secularism, otherwise known as laïcité, has been a fixture of French law since 1905. At that time, the Third Republic officially established state secularism, causing a subsequent wave of anti-Catholicism, which included the end of government funding for religious schools, mandatory civil marriage, and the removal of chaplains from the army. The Epic Times reports police declined to investigate North Texas Pride Festival after kids exposed to obscenities. The Plano Police Department in Texas won't investigate whether a September 17th LGBT Pride Festival violated state obscenity laws, according to a state representative. The North Texas Pride Festival was marketed to, 12, to children 12 years old and under. At the event were low tables where magnets bearing obscene phrases were openly displayed. Representative Matt Shaheen from Plano told the Epic Times that he requested an investigation this week in a September 28 meeting with the Plano city manager and that the Plano police chief uh, and the Plano police chief but was told law enforcement won't do anything due to lack of resources. The festival was approved through the city's special events process according to a September 20 city council meeting where several residents complained. And the Daily Wire reports Biden administration gives $41 million in contracts to Soros-linked group to help illegal aliens fight deportations. The Acacia Center for Justice, a Washington-based nonprofit created through a collaboration between the Vera Institute of Justice and the Capital Area Immigrants Rights Coalition, was awarded six contracts from the Department of Justice to provide legal services starting on September 1st, according to government records. The Vera Institute of Justice has received millions in funding from George Soros uh, from his Open Society Foundation. So more, more of your tax dollars at work here. And those were your headline news this morning. Praise be you. to God. Sorry. Praise no, be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, joining us right now is uh, retired Army Colonel Matt Dooley. Uh, it's been a long time. Good morning to you, Matt. Thanks for being on with Good us. Good morning. Uh, Happy pra- Friday. Yeah, praise be to God. A little distracted here. Uh, sorry about that. But uh, there's several stories I do want to catch up with you uh, on. And they're all Russia, Ukraine related, it seems. Um, the, the pipeline, the annexing, the mass exodus, I mean, the economy and all of those things. Let's start with the pipeline. This was kind of a spooky little deal that came up this past week. Seeing these two uh, pipelines coming out of Russia, privately held uh, uh, Russian uh, gas pipelines, neither one delivering product to customers, it would seem. One was in maintenance mode and the other one was just never uh, finalized. And yet we're seeing four what looks like explosions happening, and now they're leaking methane into the atmosphere at a pretty alarming rate. Um Sabotage. I think everybody agrees that sabotage at this point. How do you, what do you make of it all, all of this? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's an attempt by uh, 
the Russians um, under the orders of Putin to to change the calculus on the battlefield. Um, and it, it's a point of no return. Both of those pipelines serve as an economic link uh, between Russia and their supply of natural gas to uh, to Western Europe. Uh, and this is a communication, uh, an attempt uh, by the Russians to get the attention uh, of Western Europe uh, and saying, look, back off. Uh, but even if the war ends tomorrow um, and everybody goes back to uh, goes back to garrison, uh, this is a long term consequence. Um, there's there's not any easy, quick way to repair those pipes uh, and to get the gas flowing again. So it's not a question of Russia playing with the rheostat and cranking, uh, cranking the gas down. Uh, this is a commitment and a breakaway. Um, so that's that's what he means to communicate. Uh, to Europe, but I don't think he's going to get what he wants. So you're firmly in the camp that Russia is behind that. I mean, there are a lot of people who say it's it's the opposite. I mean, that there are Western governments who are behind this, but you think it's firmly Russia who is to blame for that? Yeah, uh, I think you look at, at who most immediately stands to benefit uh, in in the calculus of the battlefield. It's definitely them. Um, I don't think I don't subscribe to the the uh, conspiracy theory that that the U.S. did this. Um, it doesn't make any sense. Um, we, we won't stand a gain from it. Um, you know, I was just thinking about when the pipelines did, can I were looking at the footage of all this gas coming up. I was immediately reminded of the oil leaks in the Gulf and how difficult that we have a friend who is, who is basically, uh, one of the main players in trying to repair that damage and mitigate the risks to the environment, uh, during that time. And how difficult that was, how much of an engineering challenge that was, uh, yeah. is, are these Russian companies actively trying to repair these lines right now? Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, everybody's just trying to get, to get their arms around the magnitude and the scope of the problem. Um, there is uh, a difference between coming up with creative engineering solutions to, number one, you know, detonate an explosion above a fire on an oil well uh, and then cap it, um, which... You know, capping a, a loose oil well is, is something we do have experience with, and then trying to repair a pipeline uh, that's subsurface. I mean, they're, they're deep enough that it has to be a state actor who did this, hmm. someone with submarines. And so it's going to have to be someone who's similarly equipped uh, to, to deal with the, the breaches. And the fact that it was broken in, in four separate locations means this this isn't an accident. Uh, and that we have seismic uh, evidence that there were explosions prior to the breach uh, means that this was a sabotage, clearly. Mr. Dooley, I, I guess I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around uh, the, the calculus here, as you mentioned. Um, what would you say would be the, the biggest advantage for Russia in um, in harming their own uh, infrastructure? Do they um, Are they trying to send a message? Are they escalating the war? I, I would imagine, for example, if it was determined that it was Russia, that uh, – that created this sabotage here uh, that would escalate the war in a sense with uh, not only with Ukraine but everybody else who depends on that pipeline, right? Or is is that yes. is that the, the the plan? Do you think, or is there another benefit that we're not seeing? Well, it's definitely a poke at NATO. Um, most of the EU countries who who were um, victimized by this incident are, are NATO members, <clears throat> and so it's an attempt to get the, the attention of, of NATO, uh, who Putin's not very happy with. For supplying advanced weaponry mm -hmm. um the second thing is you know just before winter it communicates a very strong message to to those who rely off of gas for heat yes that mm -hmm. uh, we're going to take that away from you um and you're going to have to figure out how not to freeze to death this winter 
Um, it's more than just you know energy that drives an economy. It's it's keeping your house warm, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's who this is aimed at. I think. Uh, you know, it's such an interesting debate to see. Uh, there was uh, several there was several clips I think being played on Talking Head uh, cable news this week about uh, Biden and others actually before um, months ago threatening to do something, stop some way somehow the pipelines uh, as a result to this conflict. So. Uh, many are pointing to that today to say, well, there's good evidence here to suggest the West is. But again, like you said a minute ago, you, you don't subscribe to that. You think that they, the West wouldn't have done that. No, I think the motivation was, and this is in the previous administration, um, and warning and <clears throat> President Trump warning Angela Merkel, look, you guys are too dependent on Russian energy. Uh, the, the Nord Stream pipelines um, essentially put you at risk of having everything coming for natural gas into into two easy pipelines that are easy for them to choke off. It was a warning. You are far too dependent, far too entangled with an unstable actor who's going to use it as leverage against you. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So this is a this is the coming to fruition of our warning. Mm-hmm. Um, we were afraid this would happen, and, and, and now now here we are. Matt, we have about two minutes before we got to go to break. But uh, I was seeing this tweet that was uh, getting just a little bit of traction. It was saying. I hadn't even heard of that pipeline until the USA blew it up. And I, and I was like, okay, you got, <laughs> I got two things going on there. One, you're assuming yeah. the USA blew it up. And the second thing is uh, that a lot of people, it seems, are like, uh, are reacting to this, but then they're like realizing, wait, I didn't even know this was a thing. So what exactly is the pipeline that is happening? What's the uh, significance of it? You've got two pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. Uh, two wasn't finished. Um, number one was the, the the main pipeline that goes through the North Sea. So you're talking about from from northern Russia uh, into Western Europe, uh, and from which is supplied most of the natural gas uh, that goes to to Western Europe. You can get it from other sources, including the U.S., but it's it's the main line that goes underneath uh, the North Sea. Uh, we have just about a minute here before we have to go to break. There's so many other uh, stories I also want to bring up. Uh, the annexing of the Donbass that's that's a big deal. Another what is being seen as an escalation to the Russia-Ukraine thing. And then, of course, uh, Vladimir Putin coming out last week and talking about the mobilization that's happening there, calling up 300,000 troops to send to the Ukraine conflict. And now we're seeing a mass exodus of military-aged males in the country. I mean, it seems like there's so much happening so fast now that it's hard to begin. And then, of course, there's the, the, the Russian economy itself. Can it last the winter? The rubles seem to fare fairly well, so some are calling for greater and, and harsher sanctions. So I want to put some of that stuff on the table here, but I don't want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to pause here just because we're up against a hard break. Retired Army Colonel Matt Dooley is our guest, and he's got some a great insight into a lot of this geopolitics. And so we're anxious to have his input into all of these stories on the other side of this break. Do us a favor, though, and do share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful if you're watching live on one of those social feeds, for instance. Make sure to smash that uh, that share button there. Also, if you're listening on Catholic Radio, text a friend. Hey, you should tune in to Catholic Radio right now. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. 
Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood to the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClendon. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Retired Army Colonel Matt Dooley is our guest, talking about Russia, Ukraine. And uh, one of the big stories that's took, that we've learned yesterday, in fact, because there were some referendums in the Donbass region of Ukraine, one of the, the, the hotly contested portion of the Ukraine-Russia conflict, is that uh, Russia is going to be annexing those today. So what's the story here, Matt Dooley? Uh, that's a cynical attempt by Vladimir Putin to throw a blanket of coverage uh, over territory uh, that his army has seized. Um, the reason why it's strategically significant, um, all else being equal, is that once you once he annexes those territories, he can declare that as officially Russia, mm-hmm. which changes the uh, the rules of engagement for what technically and legally he's allowed to do to protect Russia. So in theory, um, if that territory is allowed to be Russian or seen as Russian, then an, an attack on that puts nuclear weapons in play. An attack on that puts his ability to uh, raise additional forces because Russia, quote-unquote, Mother Russia is being attacked. Mm. Um, realistically, though, um, everyone in the world outside the boundaries of, of Russia proper uh, sees this for what it is. It's not his territory. It doesn't belong to Russia just because you're fighting over it. Just because you stepped over the border and put Russian troops on that soil uh, and gathered a few ethnic Russians around you to support you doesn't mean that land belongs to you. Uh, you can't walk into your neighbor's house, sit in his living room, and declare that a part of your house. Um, and it, that's what we're seeing here. And the, the UN has gone so far uh, as to, to condemn this. And so the international community looks at this as another cynical ploy that, okay, Crimea was one thing with your little green men, but this this is a bold and in-your-face uh, brutal attempt to, to do something that will not stand. So the question remains, with Ukrainian troops on the on the soil uh, of the contested territories, uh, does an annexation make any sense? And what's going to be the ultimate outcome over the next couple of weeks is fighting continues over, over land that uh, he believes cynically and is going to celebrate uh, claiming as, as Russian when it clearly isn't Russian. 
Let's talk about escalation for a second in this. Uh, It kind of struck me to realize this week, watching some of the reports, is that uh, Russia at no time so far in this conflict uh, cut off the power grid in Ukraine or their cut off their Internet access or some other vital key components and infrastructure that could have uh, really had a bigger impact upon the, the greater country of Ukraine. So it seems like there's still some wiggle room here when it comes to escalation. So I guess my question to you is, can you lay out for me what what a real escalation looks like here as far as the steps go? Because every time something happens, we're told we're on the verge of it's another Cuban missile crisis. We're on the verge of natural uh, the world destruction with nuclear weapons. So like where are we at, like in the actual scale of things that can be done before we get to global thermal nuclear war? Yeah, there are a number of graduated steps one could expect. Um, what I what I see is a question of intent versus capacity. Um, the original intent uh, that Vladimir Putin had was to to treat this as a quote unquote a special military operation, go in, take some key infrastructure, take some key territory, uh, topple the uh, the Ukrainian government, drive Zelensky into exile, uh, and call victory. And that was all supposed to be done in the first three to five days. That clearly did not happen. But if you're going to do that, then you can't necessarily go after uh, the power grid, uh, the the uh, the governmental structure, the infrastructure, the roads, the bridges, the kinds of things that you would need uh, to run the country uh, once you took it over. Uh, and you're again, you're not trying to uh, go after the populace. You're you're trying to destroy the military and and topple the government. So there were some graduated uh, escalations early in this war based on on battlefield realities. Uh, but then we get into capacity. Um, once Putin started going after um, electrical grids and infrastructure, did he have the capacity to, to destroy it? Uh, his precision-guided munitions are limited in number. Uh, we have this expression called uh, magazine depth. How deep is your rack of precision-guided missiles? And they went through those fairly quickly. And so what you see are these less precise Weapons that you know they may have a, a significantly large conventional warhead, but they create a crater you know thirty feet deep right next to your target, uh, or they hit a school instead of uh, the infrastructure target you're going after. So this is a, a bit ham-fisted. Uh, what we saw in, in the summer as they pulled away from Kharkiv and began the uh, the attempt to take over uh, the rest of uh, Luhansk and, and Donetsk and push and take those, those territories is a, a return to World War II doctrine where you know, park artillery hub to hub uh, and just devastate each town, each village, each city you want, and then walk over the rubble. Definitely a different message, uh, definitely a different outcome. And that lasted through the end of July until the Ukrainians put the HIMARS missiles on the battlefield, started destroying the uh, the ammunition stockage uh, that the artillery relied upon. And so you saw uh, the rate of, of Russian artillery fire dropped to nearly zero. Um, once that started, and then we started going after headquarters uh, and made it difficult for senior leaders to continue to run the war because they were getting killed in large numbers. And so this back and forth uh, sort of stutter step movement and escalation uh, is what you've seen, whether it's controlled or by design is is difficult to say. I, I say no. I, I think that it's, it's a bit a bit out of control at this point. Uh, so, OK, so. In your opinion, what would be next then? Like, what are those steps before a nuclear weapon might be considered on the battlefield? Well, we've seen the uh, the sabotage of the pipelines. Um, the next few days, you're going to see 
the sort of gambled consequence of annexation. Does the rhetoric resonate with the Russian people? Uh, or does Vladimir Putin continue to hemorrhage military-age young men and reservists who are rushing over the border uh, faster than they could be scooped up and put into the line? Um, he's lost the equivalent uh, of a massive army of people just fleeing the country. Armies of quote unquote armies of Russians just abandoning Russia because they don't want to be scooped up in this in this draft. Can he reconstitute his military, which is what what he has to do? Uh, what was sent in um, in in February of this year no longer exists. Some fifty thousand dead, probably maybe two or three times that number. So the original one hundred sixty thousand that went no longer exist. Uh, to be replaced by whatever he can get in this 300,000 muster, whoever shows up and whoever they can get their hands on. Uh, even if he's able to reconstitute an army and push it in, um, they're not going to be very well equipped and they're not going to be trained at all. So it only gets worse from here conventionally. You know, I noticed that he was drafting these guys uh, for, to start with out east in the ethnic regions, sort of given a pass to Moscow, given a pass to St. Petersburg, allowing those guys to hit their airports as fast as possible, buying up every single plane ticket they could find, and as you said, making the mass exodus here. And uh, now the wives and moms and of those soldiers that had been called up are protesting, and it seems protesting is on the rise too in Russia. Yeah, he's got a real internal problem. Um, there's also brain drain. Anybody who had the means and the capital and the intellect to get out uh, is either out or, or on the way out. So what he's going to be left with um, will be some really hard choices. And you're absolutely right that the, the vast majority of the of the conscript soldiers and the, the first guys who went in, uh, if they were not the elite of the elite, uh, were taken from places outside of Moscow and St. Petersburg. It wasn't those Russians who were going. It was the, you know, the Siberian kids, the, the rural kids who were going. Uh, and he's out of, uh, he, he's out of supply of those, of those kids. Um, and the population, uh, and the mothers of those kids were wondering where their kids went. So he's, he's now lost, uh, the narrative, uh, in, in reality because of the, of the casualties that he can, he can no longer deny. Also, um, there, there's no, quote unquote, iron curtain of silence he can throw over social media and, and access to other information. The Russians are, are pretty good, pretty savvy about finding other alternative sources of information to, to actually get at the truth. Uh, and the truth of uh, the outcome of the war so far is, is now undeniable. Mm. I've been watching some Russian YouTubers just to kind of get a feel from how they're seeing things and their perspective. And uh, at least two of them have fled the country at this point. I'm sure there's others. But one of the things that one of these YouTubers said that I found very fascinating was just the the tolerance for protesting in Russia is far different than it is in the West. They've not really had much toleration for protesting. So Russian citizens don't really protest all that much. But but this has changed all of that. They are feeling emboldened now to protest on a greater level. And yet we spoke to one of these Russian YouTubers. I don't know. Was it Rudy? It's a couple months back. Constantine. Yeah, I want to say it's like two months ago. And he and, and he's been reporting on all of this. And he said 75 uh, percent of Russians were in favor or were support. And I, I kind of questioned him on that little bit. And he followed up and said, no, it's true. Seventy five percent were in, in, in support. Do you have any idea? Have you heard anything from your perspective of uh, what the level of, of uh, approval is for the, this military action in Russia? Well, that, that, that high-level support made a lot of sense early on um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, you, know, you got to give 
uh, credit for for Russian pride. Uh, they're they're incredibly proud people, uh, and so when you couple that with a uh, a propaganda misunderstanding or deliberate cynical ploy to to frame this war in terms of uh, the the great Soviet stand against Nazi Germany, um, in the beginning it made a lot of sense. This looked a, a lot like Grandpa's war. Um, we're protecting uh, Mother Russia from a threat from the West. You've got Nazis in Ukraine, uh, and there was a very, very strong belief that that was the extent of it and the justification for the war. Um, but as as more information has become available uh, to the average Russian citizen about what this really was and, and was Russia under imminent threat, uh, what what were they doing? Were they responding to uh, a provocation, or or were they initiating a war where there was none before? Um, very real questions about the legitimacy of the effort are now um, entering the entering the, the political uh, dialogue. Um, it's tough for us to see because we're not listening to Russian media. Uh, we're not there, uh, and we're not Russian. But from them, from their perspective, it made a lot of sense for for there to be a lot of support. Uh, that's that's diminishing rapidly now uh, as the truth gets uh, to, to more and more Russians. Mm. Well, we're down to it. So let me ask you this last question with seconds on the clock. What about uh, sanctions? Do you think we're going to see tougher a- increased uh, sanctions on the Russian economy? Well, that's certainly what the EU says. Um, there, there has to be some response uh, to the sabotage of the pipeline. Uh, there has to be some response to the attempted annexation. Uh, the question is, what is the UN going to do? What is the EU going to do? Uh, this cannot be a unilateral action of the United States. There has to be real, tough political and economic measures uh, to put a stop to this uh, and get the Russians to do something about what essentially is a, is a war uh, for the ego of, of one man. Hmm. Hold the art. Well, I guess that's it. That music means we got to go. Retired Army Colonel Matt Dooley, we're so grateful for your time today. Thank you for uh, giving us your insight. God bless you and God love you. God bless you. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the second hour, Dave Palmer is going to be our guest, host of Back to the Father. And we're going to jump into the deep and profound question, what is truth with St. Thomas Aquinas? All that and more, plus the game show, and we're giving out prizes. Join us online at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Make sure to sign up for that email list. We'll see you on Monday. Hi, this is Sister Didi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. 
And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. I got to tell you, look, thinking about the Russia-Ukraine thing, we just talked to Matt Dooley. Uh, great conversation. Check out the podcast version of it. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. I gotta, I'm in the camp that says, I don't trust Putin or you know the, the Russian uh, government in this situation. I definitely don't trust the Ukrainian government in this situation. It upsets me that we send billions of dollars, continue over and over again. We pick and choose uh, winners and losers. And I don't, uh, I don't. Serbia uh, gave a great talk at the UN. And he was drawing contrasts and comparisons to like all of this financial aid that goes over to, to Ukraine. But nobody came to provide support for Serbia when they were attacked by Western forces, which included the bombing of the Chinese embassy there, by the way. Um, you know, Croatia got annexed and Serbia got left to hang out the dry on the deal. And yeah, there are complicated, extenuating circumstances. And co- yeah, we get all that. But nonetheless, he did point this out. And one of the things he said was, you know, a hundred years of peace talks is better than a day of war. We go to war way too easily, too quickly. You know, we're so anxious to go to war. And ramp things up. And these days, every day, there's another escalating story in the news. Let's pray fast and do penance for peace in this world, because it seems rather insane to me uh, to see. But, uh, you know, we continue, like I said, we continue to send billions of dollars over there. But it's going to cost us $379 billion to cancel student debt. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, inflation is off off their charts these days. 10% in Europe. I think it was 19 countries are facing 10% inflation right now. Of course, the the bonds market in uh, England is is gone really badly. Now they're they're printing money in order to try to, uh, you know, prevent financial collapse there. So there's so many big issues that we're facing today. You know, and uh, not going to war, choosing not to to have war might be a great start to the process. But uh, nonetheless, uh, do jo- uh, make sure you're on our email list today. I'm going to be sharing with you uh, an email later today. I'll, I'll include the clip that Tucker Carlson played of our program this week uh, with Mark Houck, uh, sharing some of his 
difficulties that he has faced at that abortion mill in Philadelphia. You can join our email list at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Or you can simply pull out your text phone and your text your your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number four two eight two eight. That's text the letters GRN to the number four twenty eight twenty eight, and that will automatically put you in our CDT and Setter email list, where we will harass you at least once a week. Praise be to God. And in exchange for that, we send you all kinds of cool stuff, insider information, and more. So uh, be sure to join our CDT Insider email list today. Joining us right now via Zoom chat, or uh, was a second ago, he's no longer sitting there, is the <laughs> effervescent Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father. Good morning to you, Dave. Yeah, just trying to keep you on your toes, Joe. I kind see. Kind of running in and out of, <laughs> of the screen here. Good to, good to see you. Good morning. Praise be to God. Well, it is Friday, and I have yet to have my prescribed 80 ounces of coffee, which means I will live longer than everyone, according to a recent study. Uh, so I haven't yet quite attained my 80 ounce prescription for of coffee today. So I'm not that sharp. I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. Yeah, I heard this story that uh, Rudy had the other day. Wasn't it Rudy had the story about mm-hmm. three cups of coffee makes you live longer? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. So Good. I'm I'm just doing so my doing part. It. You're doing uh, your for part. My family right That's now. right. You you grow taller, thinner. You're more handsome and intelligent, uh, as from what I read. Don't fact check me. Just go with it. Just go Seems to be it. working for us. Yeah. yeah, the hair fills in up top too. You get a thicker, fuller head of hair as well for every every ounce of coffee one would drink. Amazing! <laughs> it is amazing. Can't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just my truth, Dave. It's my truth. I don't know why you're questioning it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess segues us to the topic of today's back to the Father, one p.m. Central, two Eastern, across the GRN social platforms. Uh, what is truth? Uh, did you know, Dave, that uh, for the longest time, I think up until very recently, the oldest manuscript of any of the Gospels that we had in existence was a fragment of the Gospel of John, and it quoted Pontius Pilate speaking to our Lord and Savior, what is truth? Uh, did you know that? I, I did not, no. Never heard that. Yeah, pretty profound. It's a profound question yeah. to ask, and you're covering it today. Yeah, we are. In fact, that's one of the the things that I wanted to talk about on the show today is it's interesting that it's a pretty, you know, compelling part of the gospel when Pontius Pilate, in the midst of all this drama and everything that was lighter, I think it's necessary to put that in there because I think it's a very important question. And what I'm going to try to do in the show today is explain how I think that, like, let's say when somebody says, hey, let's talk about what truth is. There's going to be basically three reactions that different people will have. One reaction would be the people who nowadays say there's no such thing as truth. You know, mm-hmm. you remember in uh, that movie, uh, What is a Woman by Matt Walsh, when he was interviewing that one guy and the guy said, I, I'm becoming uncomfortable with this talk about the truth. If you, you remember that, it was a very, com- yeah. it was a very interesting part of that, that movie. This guy was, he didn't want to talk about the truth. So that, that's one way. The second uh, way to respond to it is I think probably most of, Catholic radio listeners would be, we, we know there's a truth. It's pretty obvious and it's kind of crazy that people don't believe it, but eh, let, let's, you know, that, let's just kind of leave it there. What I would like to convince people is to take a third approach and say, well, since it's being challenged so much in our culture today, let's dig a little deeper. Let's take, get some philosophical grounding and let's see what, you know, Plato said. Let's maybe study the, the allegory of the caves, let's maybe Immanuel Kant, what Thomas said, 
what did God say about truth? And, and let's dig a little deeper and let's just peel a few onion layers back and see if we can help understand the idea of truth. So that's what we'll be getting at in the show today. That's awesome, Dave. You know, we, I was at a, I was at a Panera one time with my family and we sat down and uh, across from us at this other table, there was uh, two, two guys sitting there and I, I could overhear their conversation. One of them was talking about religion as a whole. I think they were having like an atheistic discussion or uh, uh, something like that. And he, he said, you know, I'm immediately turned off when uh, somebody will say, look, this is, this is the truth. This is, this is like he was referring to Christianity. He said, when somebody tells me this is the truth, I'm automatically turned off. What, in your opinion, would you say is uh, a good way to to uh, refute that sort of uh, mentality? You know, when people are saying, "Well, there's a million other religions out there. Why is your particular uh, religion the truth?" Yeah, well, I think he's probably more uncomfortable with religion in the first place than mm. the whole idea of truth, because clearly this gentleman who you're speaking to has truths in his life you know like the, the very fact that he doesn't think there's a truth is a truth in his, <laughs> yeah. in his dogma right it is a... uh, so and you're gonna some obvious ones you know are you wearing a blue shirt or or you know is is that you know there are some things that just to live in civil society we have to agree on some things as being true mm. and if we don't then it's just utter chaos and i think you can start there and then like i said probably if you dig a little deeper you'll probably find out that what his his problem with is not truth it's it's organized religion right. and it's the 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 in the, the teachings of the catholic church maybe there's some moral teaching that he doesn't like or or he just doesn't want to uh, you know believe in a god perhaps because it's inconvenient to his lifestyle you know dave the whenever Thomas Aquinas talks about truth, he defines it as the truth is the conforming of the mind to reality. And I think that that is a message today that is so necessary, especially among the transgender issue, the uh, homosexual issue and all these other things and people confused about their identities. Can you talk a little bit about that definition of that Aquinas gives? Yeah, he, and, and if I'll back up a time bit, Adrian, because I know you've been doing some study on this as well in, in your, in your teaching is that in the first part of the Summa, uh, Aquinas starts off with, you know, basically God. You know, he, 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 in the second question, he, he answered the f famous question about does God exist? And then he goes on to the attributes of God. God is simple. God is perfect. God is good. God is infinite. God is immutable. Well, right after he explains the, the, the the attributes of God, he goes into what are ideas. So he's immediately talking about this this whole notion of of knowledge. What what can we know? What does God know? What's in God's mind? And then in question sixteen, very early, there's you know there's uh, you know six hundred and thirty one questions in the Summa. Question sixteen is about truth, right? So this whole idea, he's the, for the first thing he says is truth in the intellect, or is truth in things. Right. So how do we how do we come to know what, what truth is? And he says, as you said, truth, truth is is in the intellect. It's it's in the, the, the mode of the knower. OK, now I know that sounds kind of deep and kind of challenging, but ultimately truth resides in God. So if God I, if God creates something as something as a woman, as, as a man, that's the truth. And he uses the example if 
if Joe, you know, makes a painting, he doesn't use Joe as an example, by the way, in the sumo. I'm just saying. Uh, but uh, <laughs> if Joe makes a painting, his loss, Dave, the, the his truth loss. of that painting is in Joe's mind because Joe created it. So if I come along and I say, I think this is what the meaning of this painting is, it's 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 in Joe because it was in Joe's intellect before it was created. And so I have to conform my mind to Joe because he created this piece of art. Does that make sense or does that conform to what, what you what you've learned, Adrian? Yeah, that, that uh, makes a lot of sense. And I think applying it to the modern errors that we have today of the, the transgender movement, people will say, well, I am whatever I identify as. And they'll say, oh, well, perception is reality. It's a very common uh, little phrase that people will have. But it really, reality exists apart from us, right? A reality exists whether we are born, whether we perceive anything at all, whether we die. Uh, and and it is our job to discover that reality and then conform our mind to it. Otherwise, we are living a lie. And I think that the people that are living in these transgender ideologies and things similar to it, the identity crisis we have, is really built on the basis of not knowing and not loving the truth. And And I want to also ask you, Dave, what do you think about our relationship with the truth? Because truth is not simply an intellectual virtue, but it's also Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what do you think about a relationship with the truth? Well, I, I think the relationship with the truth is going to come down to relationship with God, because if God is truth and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if you don't understand God, you're ultimately going to get confused about everything in life, you know, and truth being one of the most fundamental ones. And so I, I think relationship with God, teaching about God, knowing who God is, like I said, there's a reason why Aquinas starts the Summa before he goes into angels or human nature, virtues or vices or last things or the, the passion, it's it's what is God? I mean, that was well, that's on his mind. So I think we got to ultimately come to know God, have a relationship with God, talk to God, pray to God, and then I think that uh, we'll have a better idea of the truth. And also, as I mentioned before, I, I think we're there, there's. I, I had an interview yesterday with a school, a, a school principal. They just got a, a blue ribbon award as one of the 24, only 24 private schools in the whole country that got this, and they're locally here in North Texas, but they're doing a classical education. And I think we're seeing this return to mm -hmm. classical education among a lot of Catholic schools and even charter schools. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason is, is people are realizing we got to go back to tradition. We got to go back. And, and, I, and I really believe we need to teach more philosophy early on. Uh, you know, third, fourth graders need to start yeah. learning philosophy. We can't wait till college. That, that's just my thought. And it's it's got to be based also in, in our faith. Yeah, we've lost the ability to come to logical conclusions in general in this society. And uh, we really need a restoration there. But we are down to it here. Uh, Back to the Father is a program that airs live every Friday, 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern all across the GRN online social feeds. So check them out. Dave Palmer, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for being on with us today. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Have a great day and have a great Back to the Father show later today. Tune in on YouTube, on Facebook. Search for GRN online and you can watch live, comment live, and interact live with 
Dave Palmer and the crew. Hey, we're going to go to break. Come right back. Play our game, Fear and Trembling, and give out prizes. Want to win? Call right now, 877-757-9424. Call now, 877-757-9424. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider. Would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brother? Brothers. Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55 and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling (laughs) the catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants it's a 50 50 chance and prizes are involved avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth call now to take your shot 877-757-9424 and now your host joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time and fear and trembling a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. All right? So that's the deal. But I will explain to you. Uh, we do like to teach the faith. But we do so on the down low, on the QT, as they say. And we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something about your faith you didn't know before. Praise be to God. Just think about the bragging rights. And then we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle and a good time. And our callers are actually amazing. They laugh with us. We enjoy that most, I would say. And we give up prizes, which means we incentivize everybody. You're going to learn something. You're going to laugh. And you might win. It's a winner for everybody involved. Here's the kicker, though. Okay? So there's always a catch. And here's the catch. I do have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me right now. It's true. It's true, I do. But out of these three, we do not ask the callers the questions. So they don't even need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game. And that's because instead of asking them, I ask Rudy, I ask Adrian, one of which gives us a correct answer. 
The other gives us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? But uh, depending on how they answer that, every correct answer goes into what we call the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Now, what happens is everybody who's played the game this week has gotten a number of chances to go into the cup. And then on Friday, we mix the last three or so in there. We mix it all up. And then Brother Rudy draws the name out out of the coffee cup of divine providence and a name is announced live on the show, which will happen here in just a few mo- moments, to win some prizes. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Catholic Drive Time. And uh, it's with a very heavy heart that I have to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are down to our very last coffee cup of Divine Providence replica. Really? The real one will remain. Under but... lock and key and guard and... Yeah, actually. bulletproof glass. That's right. And Lasers. We're going to hire a uh, a Muslim guy to, uh, really? you know, because the Orthodox and mm. the Catholics have oh, claim to it. So we I have see. to hire a I third see. party, a Muslim, to take care of. Like in the Holy Land, exactly, exactly, Joe. That's okay. exactly right. Okay. But we're going to be giving away a coffee mm-hmm. cup of Divine Providence replica before mm-hmm. it's uh, transfigured into its 2.0 version, mm-hmm. and we're also going to give away a copy of Christopher Doctor Christopher Malloy's book, yeah. False Mercy, who we interviewed on Monday. Mm-hmm. So check out that interview on our YouTube yeah. page. Sophia Institute Press is the uh, publisher of Dr. Malloy's book. And so we're very grateful to Sophia Institute Press. And then, of course, uh, teaming that up with an autographed copy of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to live longer because you're going to drink coffee you out of it? you to drink three cups a day out of the coffee cup. Not, you'll live longer. You'll be more intelligent. <laughs> Taller, <laughs> handsome, hands or, or beautiful, beautiful. You're a lady, but uh, or yeah. and you can read a good book. That's so true. it's a winner for everybody involved. But let's uh, let's go to the phones. Praise be to God, Mary. Mm-hmm. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning. Hey, Mary. How yes, are you? I am. I am great. How are you? Praise be to God. I'm alive, and that counts. You know. <laughs> we are too here. Now, where are you? I'm in the Orlando area. Wow. Oh, you guys took a beating, didn't you? We we did, but we came through it with flying colors. Yeah, we were very blessed. Did you have? Do you, do you have power right now? Yes, we have power. Oh, that's good. My dad lives we in the Orlando area, power. and he I think he's still out of power, so he's still waiting for his power to be returned. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty tragic situation. We're still waiting on, of course, the official reports from Governor DeSantis and the state officials there, but. I, I like four was it forty billion dollars worth of damage in this storm so far? That's pretty tragic. That it's yeah, it's it's awful. Wow. Well, let's have some fun then, if you don't um, if you don't mind, Mary. Do you know how this game works? Do you know how the rules are played? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. Great. Praise be to God. Then you know, uh, you shouldn't trust Rudy or Adrian. I am your only friend in this game. What? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say that first, right out of the gate. Are you? I think the whole team is mm-hmm. tricky. Um, what? Sorry, I what? agree with oh. that. Did, that's, Mary, a, that's a fair point. Is that's Mary breaking point. up? I, I, she said. I did you hear her, Joe? She no, said the whole no, team is tricky, especially uh, Joe. I think it was garbled. Uh, you probably just misinterpreting her. I, think, I, I heard especially Joe as well. No. The end of it. Do you remember <laughs> back in the day? You'd be on the phone. <laughs> Sorry, you're breaking up. <laughs> what? Yeah. All right, Mary. Let's just play. In spite of your friskiness, Mary, we shall play nonetheless. Hey, we'll start with uh, Mr. Rudy Carlos. 
as is our custom, our church-approved tradition. Amen. Uh, still wearing a tie all week long. Like, tie all week this long. This is like two weeks of nothing but tie. You know, I said, I'm going to stop being casual. Mm-hmm. And it's cooling mm-hmm. down here in Texas. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still not putting on a tie. You can try to get me all you wish. I'm not doing it. Praise be to God. Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. Praise be to Jesus. Are you sure? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Mm. Are you really sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, then let me start with this one. Can you tell me who is the patron saint of authors? Uh, some would say it was uh, Saint G.K. Chesterton, but actually it's Saint C.S. Lewis. Really? Yeah. Huh. He's canonized recently. Uh, saint Clive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was canonized mm-hmm. recently. By, was he uh, really? Pope Francis. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. Saint C.S. Lewis, you say? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, poor G.K. He always gets passed up. What's <laughs> up with that? Um, let's just see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me who is the patron saint of authors? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting. I just saw a book about C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. talking about that topic. Really? But I'm going to go with someone that we mentioned at the top of the show. We did. Francis DeSales. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're just going to go straight up Francis de Sales. Just straight up Francis de Sales. A little on the nose there. I know. Everybody thinks, oh, Francis de Sales? Francis. Mm. Okay. All right, uh, Miss Mary in Orlando, Florida. Who is the patron saint of authors? Adrian tells us it's Francis de Sales, whereas Rudy is pretty sure it's C.S. Lewis. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary in Orlando, what say you? I think I'm going to have to go with Adrian. You just got to, right? Like, what choice do you I have? I got to go with Adrian. I, mean, yeah, I, I got to. Rocking a hard place. Mary, don't feel bad. Jeez, Mary. It's okay, Mary. You, you got to say, you have to go with me with, uh, with utter confidence, with faith. <laughs> no, and don't do it. Never, never do that, okay? Never. Just All dive right. in. Mm-mm. But uh, well played, masterful there in your in your play, Mary. So you are correct. St. Francis de Sales is the correct answer. C.S. Lewis, having not died Catholic, would not be a canonized saint, at least. We hope not. What? But nonetheless, uh, let's go with the second question. <laughs> We're going to go with Adrian on this. Uh, tricky question here. This is probably the trickiest question of today. Um, Adrian. Yes. Can you tell me? Yes, I can. Good to know. All right. Good to know. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the theory of mm-hmm. transformation from lower forms of life through sequence to higher forms of life? Oh, that's easy. Uh-huh. The name for the theory of transformation from lower forms of life yeah. through sequence to higher forms yeah. is transubstantiation. Is it? It is. That's a fancy word. It is a fancy word. Trans- Transforming I see. from a lower form of life to okay. a higher. I knew that you were into trans mm-hmm. things for a while now, but it's starting <laughs> to make sense. I got. I miss those trans fats. Yeah, is what I miss. Trans you. fats. Okay. <laughs> Transubstantiation. Uh, let's go see what Rudy says. Rudy, can you tell me what is the name for the theory of transformation from lower forms of life through the sequence to higher forms of life? I just want to emphasize theory there. Okay. And uh, okay. it's known as evolution. Is it? Just a theory. There's no trans in evolution. I don't know if you knew that, but... Huh. Uh, okay. Trains? Uh, trans. Trans. The word trans isn't... <laughs> the root, there's no root in evolution for trans. Well... But your answer is evolution nonetheless. That's what they say. All right, Mary, you got options here. Uh, a- Rudy says it's evolution. Adrian says it's transubstantiation. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Mary, what say you? We're going to try Rudy this time. Hmm. Sure. Sure. 
It was it the tie that gave it away, Mary? I, um, it is a nice tie. Uh huh. It yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, praise be to God. He always steals the nice ties from dead rich men, but nonetheless. Uh, evolution is the correct answer. I was thinking yeah, transforming from lower forms to, uh, of life to higher forms. My wife would say our marriage would be the proper answer to that. Oh, but, hmm, uh, wow. Yeah, at least well, for me. Apotheosis. But evolution is the correct answer. You're in for two, Mary. Third question. All right, I, I said the last one was tricky, but I think this is actually the trickiest question we've probably ever asked anybody ever. So this is brace yourself. So easy. Don't even worry about it. Brace yourself. This is hard. This one. Uh, it's a good thing you have advanced degrees, Mary. We're going to go to uh, Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, is Mohammedism considered a pagan religion? A pagan religion? Absolutely. Have you seen the way they worship that black cube? Wow. The one in They're Mecca? totally pagan. I see. Okay. Totally so your pagan. answer is yes, then. 100%. Uh, Adrian? Uh, maybe you could tell me, is Mohammedism considered a pagan religion? Well, one might think, but I'm going to say no. Mohammedism is not a pagan religion. It's one of the three monotheistic religions. I see. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Miss Mary, you have options. Adrian says Mohammedism is not a pagan religion, but Rudy says it is. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who was right? Who was wrong? Mary in Orlando, Florida, what say you? Oh, this is a tough one. I warned you. <laughs> I, I thought told I you. knew the answer. <laughs> I thought I knew the answer, mm-hmm. and now I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Adrian. <sighs> wow. wow. All right, here we go. When in doubt, Mary, when in doubt. Do you see how she strung us along pretending know, as though she didn't know? Seconds because on the clock. she knew better than to admit Adrian is correct with such great confidence. Well played. I'm. That was, that was absolutely stunning play there. All right, uh, you're in for three. Perfect score. Uh, Rudy has a name. Uh, And it's Evan. Evan! Congratulations. Congratulations. Mary, it was not God's holy will that you should win, but you were fun. It was fun, though. God bless you. a lot of fun. Yeah, we're praying for you and everybody in Florida. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our show today. Awesome. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Have a great weekend. That's going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Praise be to God. Thanks for joining us. Join us in the after show at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Jerome. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers, for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for Mercedes and Scott McCoy and family. Alleluia, sing to Jesus. Is the scepter, is the throne. Alleluia, 
triumph is the victory alone. Hark the songs of my full Sion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus, out of every nation, has redeemed us by his blood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who gave the priest, St. Jerome, a living and tender love for sacred scripture, grant that your people may be ever more fruitfully nourished by your word and find in it the fount of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of Job. The Lord addressed Job out of the storm and said, Have you ever in your lifetime commanded the morning and shown the dawn its place? For taking hold of the ends of the earth till the wicked are shaken from its surface. The earth is changed as is clay by the seal and dyed as though it were a garment. But from the wicked the light is withheld and the arms of pride is shattered. Have you entered into the source of the sea or walked about in the depth of the abyss? Have the gates of death been shown to you or have you seen the gates of darkness? Have you comprehended the breath of the earth? Tell me if you know all. Which is the way to the dwelling place of light, and where is the adobe of darkness, that you may take them to their boundaries and set them on their homeward path? You know because you were born before them, and the number of your years is great. Then Job answered, The Lord asked, Behold, I am of little account. What can I answer you? I put my hands over my mouth. Though I have spoken once, I will not do so again. Though twice, I will do so no more. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
responsorial psalm. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. O Lord, you have probed me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. My journeys and my rest you scrutinize. With all my ways and you are with all my ways you are familiar. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting ways. Where can I go from your spirit? From your presence, where can I flee? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I sink to the netherworld, you are present there. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I settle at the furthest limits of the sea, even there your hands shall guide me, and your right hand holds me fast. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Truly you have formed my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I give you thanks that I may fearfully, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to them, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, then would long ago, they would long ago have repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the, day, at the judgment than for you. And as for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will go down to the netherworld. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's first reading from the book of Job, we continue to see how Job is wrestling with the problem of innocent suffering. Job is a just man, he's an innocent man, and of course we know he winds up suffering horribly as Satan is permitted to sift him and cause him all sorts of grievance in the hope of, that Job will curse God and abandon his relationship with him. Of course, Job never does that, but he does become perplexed and wonders the question, why is all of this happening? I don't quite understand it. Well, today we get the answer from God, which he gives back to Job. And the answer basically, in a nutshell, is Job, mind your place. I'm God. Trust in me. Let me take care of things. And you are a creature. Were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I made all things? And of course, Job humbly comes to a realize is to trust fully in God. 
We know from scripture God's ways are not our ways and while the problem of suffering is something that we all wrestle with and perhaps when we experience suffering we're inclined to ask why me or why is this happening? Those are precisely the moments where we are invited to trust. In fact, we can say going all the way back to the original sin of Adam and Eve, what they really failed to do was to trust that God was their creator and to trust that they could live all things in communion with him and that his ways were better than their own ways. The devil tricked them into choosing their own path and in doing so they broke communion with God. The Catechism of the Catholic Church puts it this way with original sin. Man tempted by the devil, let his trust in his creator die in his heart and abusing his freedom disobeyed God's command. Ultimately, for us, it comes down to the great point to be able to trust God in all things, even in those things which we find mysterious. Of course, what Job didn't know, that we do know, is that about four to six hundred years after the time of Job, Jesus is going to transform the meaning of suffering and death, and his passion becomes the instrument of our salvation as he willingly takes it on in a meritorious suffering which redeems all of mankind. Sin and death came into the world on account of the original sin of Adam and Eve. In a way, Jesus is going to use the same consequences of suffering and of sin that in his passion where he takes the sin of humanity on himself, he then offers the one sacrifice pleasing to the Father in order to redeem us from our own personal sins that ultimately lead to death as well. My brothers and sisters, for each of us then, and as today's gospel points out in identifying Jesus with his followers and saying, whoever listens to you, listens to me, whoever rejects you, rejects me, we are reminded that in the same path of suffering and mystery in our own life, we too are called to unite our sufferings with Jesus on the cross, to know that we then also can be partakers in his great work of redemption and salvation, not of our own accord, but by God's holy will, that he grants us the dignity to be able to participate in the redemption and salvation of mankind. And as challenging and difficult as suffering is, it is still an amazing gift that we can participate in the work of the Savior to also share in the glory of his resurrection. And so, my brothers and sisters, today as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would trust him in all things, even those things which are mysterious or difficult for us to understand. And let us ask God for the grace that we would never lose a moment of our own suffering to unite it to those of Jesus on the cross in order to share in his work of salvation. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops for their physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to enact just laws that safeguard and promote the dignity of human life at every phase, and laws which would never transgress the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. We pray for an end in violence, strife, and war, and for peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our we pray for the sick and the suffering, 
that they would be given consolation in their faith and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Grant us, O Lord, that having meditated on your word, following the example of St. Jerome, we may more eagerly draw near to offer your majesty the sacrifice of salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Jerome, you bid your church rejoice. So too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life. Teach her by his words of preaching and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints we sing the hymn of your praise as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in Excelsis, Benedictus, 
qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with Saint Jerome and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, 
through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you.
body of Christ. The 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 King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness fails me never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul is leading. And where the verdant pastures grow with food celestial, let us pray. May these holy gifts we have received, O Lord, as we rejoice in celebrating St. Jerome, stir up the hearts of your faithful, so that, attentive to sacred teachings, they may understand the path they are to follow, and by following it, obtain life everlasting through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. O Santissima, O Pissima, Dulcis Virgo Maria, Matera Mata, Intemerata, Ora, ora pro nobis. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 